News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. And go for it. Okay, I'm supposed to start. A woman speaks first. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Katie Honan, here with Harry Siegel, who is back. Hi, Harry. Hey, Katie. Let's just jump right in with some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York. Indeed. It's been a hell of a run since I've been out. And just in the last few days, we've had... Kathy Hochul and Chuck Schumer and lots of other big pals here finally joining Eric Adams on Monday to press the Biden administration to let asylum seekers get work permits, significantly escalating the fight between the mayor, who, of course, right after he was elected, called himself the new face of the Democratic Party and uh, the Democratic president with other New York Democrats now picking a side. Uh, Meantime, there's been a daisy chain of on and off emergencies authorities have been using to suspend their own rules and make up new ones on the fly, which last month, the end of the national state of emergency for the pandemic that it went, the feds used Title 42 to turn away migrants at the southern border as a public health measure. That led to an emergency executive order in New York suspending our unique right in the city to shelter rules when it comes to asylum seekers. And that led to two upstate counties, Saratoga and Fulton so far, declaring their own states of emergency, barring the housing or transporting of asylum seekers, presumably coming from New York City. So all that's happening as the administration here in the city at times seems to be winging its response to the influx of asylum seekers. And the mayor himself keeps playing fast and loose with numbers and facts about how many people are arriving, how many hotel rooms they're occupying, and even whether or not other New Yorkers can use the HERPs or humanitarian emergency response and relief centers created for those migrants. Adams said they could, but a city all later acknowledged they can't, although migrants can and do use the regular shelter system, which has never been so full as a result. Speaking of Mayor Adams, a new poll from Slingshot Strategies um, shows oh, that's a that's a tongue twister. That's a she sells she sells by the she sort. <clears throat> it's tougher than that. It's a blue bug, black bug, three times fast. <laughs> okay. A new poll from Slingshot Strategies shows some so-so news for Mayor Adams, who's way ahead of Democrats Jamani Williams and Brad Lander in a hypothetical matchup, but just barely ahead of a generic Democrat, an unnamed whoever Democrat, as the mayor's favorable and job approval numbers are deep underwater with independence. He also is much more popular with men than with women, according to this poll. Um, of course, it's just one poll, but, you know, we like talking about polls. Most New Yorkers at every income level below 150000 say the city is headed in the wrong direction, and voters overwhelmingly identify gun violence, crime, and public safety as their top concerns. While some on the left are attacking Adams' supposed austerity budget, a new report released Tuesday from the Citizens Budget Commission of New York notes that Eric Adams' three pegs, or programs to eliminate the gap, quote, mostly trimmed low-hanging fruit, unquote, while city-funded spending is still projected to grow over the next three years. These budget wonks predict rough roads ahead, saying, quote, absent significant action, 
the city may face massive service cuts or counterproductive tax increases, harming the city's attractiveness to a broad range of residents and businesses. Speaking of things going up, you may be riding the train to the beach this summer on a $2.90 fare, but there may be fewer lifeguards than perhaps you're used to, although not summer, we have the same kind of shortage. Uh, As I and others reported yesterday, New York City so far has just one-third of the ideal 1,400 lifeguards it needs for this summer, according to the Parks Department. Um, You know, we have 14 miles of public beaches, around 100 indoor and outdoor pools, and right now they have about um, 480 lifeguards. That number could grow. You really can't get any new lifeguards because the training program is over, but any of these old guards, if they want to come back. Um, The Parks Department also talked about these sort of hard-to-fill jobs, including lifeguards, but also including tree trimmers and tree pruners, people who climb the trees, forget learning how to code. You got to learn how to climb a tree because they're actually going to do an apprenticeship program. Um, So, Harry, I do want to ask you, I'll jump to you. I knew you were out for a while. You know, you had some stuff. If you want to talk a little bit, um, I'm sure some of our listeners saw that your father, Fred Siegel, who was a huge figure in New York City, you know, in politics and journalism, he passed away, unfortunately. Um, If you just want to talk about him, I don't want to uh, put too much pressure on you, but I also wanted to give you the space and time to, to talk about him. Thanks, Katie. So I'm going to bring that back to your reporting <laughs> on lifeguards and tree trimmers for real and just say that if you don't have enough tree trimmers, uh, tree branches fall and uh, kill people. Inevitably, if you don't have enough lifeguards, people drown. And city is always, you know, dealing with complicated math and trying to make things add up and work. And they more or less are where they aren't. And a lot of the discourse here is people who are very much professionally staked to one position or another. Uh, my father, in the course of his life and career, you know, started um, on the uh, progressive left. He was on the board of dissent and a member of, of the DSA. And... Then starting right about when I was born in 77 with the uh, blackout and uh, much of Bushwick burning and other places in the city sort of started this uh, this migration to the right. And you feel how different moments like these different stop clocks at times are right on time. So Democrats had had control of New York. It had been very much a one-party town. Things had not been going well in terms of crime and public safety and people's sense of that in ways similar to where we're at now to the point where as unimaginable as it may seem after the Trump era and where things drifted, you know, Rudy Giuliani gets elected mayor. And then, don't forget, he easily wins a second term as mayor against uh, Ruth Messenger, who's Borough president, very competent person, we could say a regular Democrat in a bunch of ways. And what turns out to be 20 years of non-democratic mayors in this overwhelmingly democratic city that we're now a decade out from after de Blasio and now Eric Adams, who, of course, is a uh, former Republican himself, former cop. Lifelong New Yorker with a very interesting and sometimes shifting backstory we may talk a bit more about. And, uh, you know, when things were happening that 
were obviously problematic to a great many of the people who were living here, and the political class failed to recognize them, which I think really speaks to the moment we're at right now. You know, my, my father was one of the people who recognized that and uh, spoke about it at a moment when that was very unpopular. He, to his great credit, as his politics shifted, never really broke with anyone or personalized those parts. Of course, some people understandably broke with him as he moved. Uh, but I think he, he caught a uh, a moment when what the political class was saying and what New Yorkers were after were, were, were in a real schism. And to, again, just bring that back to the present, uh, this very interesting fight we're having in Albany between lawmakers who, you know, emerged just fine with their supermajorities intact from this last election and Governor Kathy Hochul, the uh, statewide, more moderate Democrat who, uh, you know, barely beat Lee Zeldin. Speaking of warning shots, uh, that push and that set of fights has been really interesting, not least in this effort to decide who's going to control the courts and maybe revisit this last decision about mapping and redistricting as Democrats seem concerned with winning primaries and maintaining power, including by having elections that not all that many people can participate in because of closed primary parties here and because of how the maps are drawn, then in coming up with a broadly popular message that can win over more voters. And happily, that wasn't enough to get, say, the likes of Lee Zeldin elected here. But that should be a real warning shot for progressives and for Democrats about how far you can push things without working to win popular support. I very much doubt it will be. Uh, but that's the moment we're at. And, and over time, if you don't tend to things, in a way that gets uh, the results you've talked about, uh, people die, people get scared, people leave New York. And on a much lighter level, unless you're a victim of this, this is also some of what seems to be happening with lifeguards, where I think Park says we'll be able to, uh, they think, have all the beaches and pools open, but they're struggling to get even to that point every year and like just as summer starting, Katie, you've been reporting on this for for a long time. Like, what's happening, and why is this so hard? And and are you know some New Yorkers possibly dying who didn't have to just as a result of having a shortage of lifeguards, even with like uh, you know another thousand dollar bonus for staying the whole summer and higher pay and more recruitment and uh, changing the tests and all that. Yeah. So I will say there were um, last summer in Rockaway there were like concurrent at the same time at around 6.01 PM, it was a Friday, there were two rescues and then drownings. Um, so this was technically when lifeguards were off duty. I will say, I don't have this, the data in front of me, but it is rare for people to drown while lifeguards are on duty. Most of the drownings, you know, unfortunately you had these young kids who drowned in Jamaica Bay last year, that's on a beach to swim in. Um, so most of the drownings happen when lifeguards are not on duty. But yeah, it is a real concern of the cities to not have enough lifeguards. And I mean, I also want to point out the 1400 number, sort of this like ideal number. Last summer we had, you know, a couple hundred and the beaches were relatively open. I think this summer the Parks Department is actually helped out by some capital projects because Astoria Pool will not be open. Um, parts of Rockaway Beach will not be open because of a federal jetty project and groin, T-groin, whatever they call it, uh, project. 
So that's fewer beaches to staff, right? And fewer pools to have people in. Um, but yeah, it's a concern. People are say? still going to use those beaches, uh, the one, the ones that, that that have projects that are supposed to be closed. Yeah, or- I mean that's where the pep officers are there, and I really like. I will say, as as a beach native, I would not go into the ocean without a lifeguard present. You know, like I, I'm not a very strong swimmer personally, right? And I'm sure some people are, and they'd be fine, but. It's just a really dangerous mix of do not go in when lifeguards are not there because you might look at the the oceans on a pool. I mean, that's that goes without saying, right? I think this is a bigger risk in Rockaway, which is a rougher beach. You know, Orchard Beach is a very calm beach. Um, parts of Staten Island where they have beaches are not as rough. But, you know, you might look at the ocean and think it looks calm, but there's a riptide. And I think I, I always tell people do not go in the water without a lifeguard present, especially if you've been drinking, especially if it's 95 degrees and you had a nutcracker and you're having fun and it's 630 and you want to cool it off. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, I think it speaks to, like you said, this systemic issue. I, I've spoken a lot about the lifeguard union and, and the problems there. I think the parks department, from what I've reported, they've tried to do what they can to make things easier to be a lifeguard, <laughs> extended the qualifying time, right? In, in terms of, and by that, I mean, how fast you need to swim it. They made it a little bit slower so you can actually try to qualify. If you got close, the other thing they're telling people, you actually know your time now in previous years. They just told you if you passed or failed because the lifeguard school is run predominantly by the union. And in speaking with multiple, multiple lifeguards, they would use that as retaliation or as favors or, you know, oh, you want to pass the test? You want, you don't want to, you know, we don't want to, pass you because of how you've acted, we won't do that. But now they're all getting the number. Um, if you got close to the qualifying time, you got extra help. They had pools open for you. They were really, really trying. They did a lot of recruitment. But I think, too, we can look at, okay, how many DOE pools are there and how often are they open? How many um, schools actually have swim programs? How are people learning how to swim? The Parks Department, thankfully, this summer, despite this continued shortage, will bring back the Learn to Swim program, which is very helpful for kids and adults to learn how to swim. But it's this larger issue, and they had different task forces. They had a task force for city agencies, including the mayor's office. They had a task force, including with the YMCA, with um, Partnership for New York City, with, I think, Abney was involved, of how to actually address the shortage, how to build a core of lifeguards, how to get people swimming. And it takes years and it can take, look, I mean, you could look at, to use a planting metaphor, right? You may plant a little six-year-old this summer may take a learn to swim class in a city pool that thankfully is open and running because of even in in spite of a lifeguard shortage. And in 10 years, that six-year-old might become a lifeguard setting them up for, you know, the the thing too, that kids I knew who became lifeguards growing up, you, you got to pay into your pension early you got to be outside all day. You got to hang out. You looked great. You know, you got to hook up with other lifeguards. I don't know. I mean, that's sort of, I'm sure that's not the Parks Department's pitch. But I think, I think, the, however, that might be higher on the list for, for, for say, teens than the pension, just to be fair. <laughs> yeah. You'd be, you know, you got to, you got to think um, macro and micro, I guess, right? Like, will you hook up with uh. another lifeguard tonight? And are you, going to be able to pay buy back your time if you become a cop or firefighter sanitation worker teacher or whatever um mm-hmm. and if you think the, upstream yeah yeah and and yeah. Uh, are, are your children then going to learn to swim young and also be able to be lifeguards and start building their pensions exactly and i know plenty of multi-generational uh, lifeguards you know their parents mm-hmm. were lifeguards they this is just and again it's it's the new york city culture that i grew up in and, yeah. and other people um 
I don't know. It's it's a complicated thing. I hope I always hope for the best in the summer. I hope nobody is in any dangerous situation. And I also hope that there are more investments and improvements made in the long term to get more lifeguards. Obviously, we have the short term problem. Um, and yeah, like you said, we also don't have tree. Look, I, I was thinking yesterday, like, do I, I maybe I would want to climb a tree <laughs> and be a tree climber because they have an apprenticeship program they're starting. But yeah, I mean, the the city's parks department budget is 0.6% of the city's total budget, right? Mayor Adams ran on a platform of 1% of the budget, right? Mm -hmm. It's not happening. Even in the executive budget hearing that we had yesterday, um, they had Just multiple to be clear, meetings. he promised that parks would be 1% of the right. total city budget and nothing has happened in that direction. Yeah, it has not reached that. And it is sort of, you know, part, um, New Yorkers for Parks have put out a lot of uh, papers and, and research documents on this of how New York City, despite having the most parks per capita, we spend the least compared to other large cities. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, looking at the kind of unmet requests from the Parks Department in the executive budget, it's more money to maintain its forests. You know, if you've ever been to Alley Pond Park, it's a beautiful, you know, you can feel like you're in the Catskills when you're walking mm -hmm. in Alley Pond Park. Some people might think I'm joking, but it's really true. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. Forest Park is beautiful. And they asked for more money to maintain these. It was not um, added. They asked for more PEP, park enforcement police officers. Those That was not um, given to them in these new needs. You know, they obviously, this is a whole other topic, but one of the largest budget increases came from readjusting its contract with the Central Park Conservancy, which harkens back to the 70s, the battle days of the 70s, when Central Park became essentially a privatized park. Um, and we could, you know, that's a, that's a topic for another day of privatizing public spaces and especially giving lots of money when I don't know Central Park Conservancy they I'm on their fundraising list they fundraise every day is pledge week for them <laughs> like they they their emails are the most desperate sounding emails I've ever seen in my life and I'm always like didn't you guys get like a hundred million dollars from that rich guy who was from Queens it's um, a lot like PTAs and other things where you have a public system but then there's ways to privately pay in there was a great piece very quickly uh from uh, Tanaz Mejani, who was excellent intern at the city, about how basically you can ask to get a tree planted in New York, and mm -hmm. then you can wait like ten years and maybe get a tree, but you could also just give like eighteen hundred dollars to uh, to a conservancy and and go immediately to or to the parks. Sorry, to the city parks foundation, which is not a conservancy, but it's another nonprofit, and go straight to the front of the line. Yeah. I'll ask Whoa. you, I asked this uh, on my Twitter yesterday, how much does it cost to remove a tree? And that's a dead tree. Someone mm -hmm. was like, we shouldn't mm -hmm. be removing trees. I, it's not like beautiful living trees. How much do you think it costs to remove a tree? It, oh, it, it starts in the four figures and you can hit the five. $2,000. Mm -hmm. No, it starts at 2000 and it really can go up from there, yeah. depending on the, the, the type of tree, like the shape it's in, a whole bunch of things. Like, I do believe there are $10,000 tree removals for single trees. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, here we go. Summer's coming. Hopefully we'll be ready. So just circling back to my dad for one second and speaking of, uh, you know, lifelong New Yorkers are growing up here. You know, uh, my dad grew up in the uh, Reese projects, then New Jersey, then the Bronx, then back in the city. Um, you know, I got to grow up in like, uh, 
uh much rougher at the time park slope right off fifth avenue but then in like incredibly leafy like uh where is this Dentmas park which is an incredible place but you know i do think there's a different sort of conservative or person who becomes upset with progressives i'm sorry chrissy isn't here because i know she has a lot to say about this giuliani and other things i know we'll get there but the sort who, who lives in the city who likes a city who wants to be in a city i think is a a different type pretty fundamentally from people who just want to uh rail against cities and 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 from a distance you know like like when you live in a place and you're you're, you're vested in it your, your kids are there and your grandkids are there and you live there it's just a it's a different feeling and the thing i was trying to get at earlier katie is having a uh a a system of governance especially in the city but really statewide and some of this has to do with how how money flows here a lot of it is closed primaries and then the way maps are drawn um it's just not healthy to have so much divergence between what is actually popular as you can see in poll after poll after poll and then what politicians who are only thinking about getting primaried and within the democratic party think is right and want to pass and it's just a uh, an increasingly wide divergence. New York's been there before. And I don't know that we elect another Giuliani type if that keeps happening. I think it's actually more likely we, we elect some Maya Wiley like a uh, type who, who who represents the progressives and some weird rank choice primary only thing, which is its own bizarre and I think fucked up thing. Rank choice is great. Having it only for primaries is one impossible to explain. As as you know, Rachel Howdy Smith is doing our explainers can vouch. And two, uh, uh, is is just utterly incoherent. Um, and the reason we have that, obviously, is simply to close elections off to a larger swath of, of the city so that their opinions don't register until they register in overwhelming ways in citywide or statewide races. And that's just not a, a healthy or balanced system of governance. And it is a little like just every 10 years frantically paying bonuses for and to train lifeguards or tree cutters or whatever and then just sort of ignoring that and letting those numbers languish over the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. Not good. Yeah. And I think too, of like, what is it? The permanent government, right? Like the people who are actually doing the work day in, day out, regardless mm -hmm. of who their council member is or, you know, who the speaker is or who the mayor is. Um, I've found like the city council thing because of redistricting mm -hmm. and the census and the redistricting where we had a 2021 election. Now we have a 2023 election. And they're going to run again in 2025. Oh, it is like, it takes up so much, in my opinion, so much of the air, right, of just trying to govern, right, when you have a council member who's now just sending the, the, the emails. I've joked before that the worst part about being a politician is your birthday party is a fundraiser. Like, everything is like, help so-and-so out, come to this, their birthday, blah, blah, blah. And it's, I know why. I know they have real birthday parties, I hope, right? But it just always strikes me as so, um, again, you have, but it, it has to be done, even in, even in a matching fund system mm -hmm. in the city. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm at a block party with my kids so that they can run around, you know, and, and, and buy $6 junk, and 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 you know scary six dollar ticket rides. Yeah, yeah. And and I see my my local set of guys, and it's mostly guys. Now it's also Shahana and Eve there, out like nine in the morning with like wide awake with big smiles, interacting with like fifty people in a row. I'm like, man, that is not a fun way to spend your Sunday morning. 
Well, are they riding the rides? Because if they're in the King Kong ride or the Tilt-A-Whirl, like, that's pretty fun. But yeah, I mean, we saw this last year when former Mayor Bill de Blasio was running. All the pictures of him in, in his basketball shorts, like, out, uh-huh, like... Uh-huh. I was like, don't you want to do anything else? I mean, I could never run for office. It just seems it's you're in a constant cycle of raising money. And then I think, how do you actually have time to like introduce a bill or meet with constituents? It's just constant. And that's just the people running for their current seat. How about the people who who are thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna run for mayor. No, I'm gonna run for controller. No, I'm gonna, you know, it's it's but it's part of the democratic uh, system, I guess. Um, I guess. And term limits have, have, have made this weirder as well. Um, I, I am of the belief that we've had less competent council people and more winning on staff knowledge than had previously been the case. Like people actually just know how to craft a law or do these other parts. Uh, I, I think that, that that's been damaged. But Katie, anyone who thinks that like eating a deep fried Oreo and then going on the thing where the guy just... <laughs> Moves the thing to the yeah, right yeah, and the yeah. left so you go high in the air is a good time. Like, like that is the sort of sicko who, who uh, deserves what they get. Yeah. I, I No offense to my children. Reta- re- uh, we don't have – we are, at my block parties, we always had like – they chip in so you'd get like an hour free of Mr. Softy. So it would Word. be like rainbow sprinkles and chocolate ice cream just swirling around in there as I rode King Kong over and over again. Oh, or that is, that is bouncy the castle. way. Nothing feels more different as a grown-up than it did in my childhood. Like, you just go back and look at things than, like, that Halloween, right? Like, Halloween as a child was just, like, pure joy and wonderfulness, as I re- understood it. And then you get the candy, and then you sort the candy, and, uh, you know, there's costumes. It's like this giant parade. And now it's just, like, this long, tiresome trek that inevitably will end with one child or another uh, in tears, you know? And it, it's it's like a bunch of cocaine addicts. Uh, j- just rampaging around, uh, sometimes through traffic. One thing I, I did want to get your take on, you know, we talked about Eric Adams and we talked about this sort of one poll, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there was something I did want to bring up. And it's his sort of shifting truths. We understood it up until last night, or at least I did. The story of Mayor Eric Adams, it's part of his origin story of how as a teen, He was arrested. He was beaten up by police in the 103 precinct in Jamaica. And then he went to Spofford Juvenile Detention Center in the Bronx. And the story he has told was this. He was arrested. And I I have to quote the exact thing because um, and this this is the story. He and his older brother, Conrad, would help out a neighbor who was a go-go dancer. I, in my brain, used to think. The go-go dancer's name was Mickey, but that was actually his pet rat. So he'd help out the go-go dancer. She had broken her leg. He's told the New York Post, quote, We used to help this go-go dancer who broke her leg. When she healed and didn't want to pay us for all the help we gave her, she called the police on us. Mm -hmm. And that was when he got arrested. Mm -hmm. Last night at a town hall in the Bronx, Joe Nuda, reporter with Politico, shared that Mayor Adams starts off a town hall in the Bronx with an anecdote about his trip to the Spofford Juvenile Detention Center as a youth after he was arrested for selling fake gold chains on Canal Street to tourists. This, to my knowledge, is the first time I've heard this story. Of course, he could have been arrested more than once, but all the things he's written about this, it's he's only went once. So I, I, it, it, the two stories are humorous, but again, the mayor of the city of New York, these are two vastly different versions of his 
I was arrested. And and it's part of his origin story because even though he had this, uh, you know, alleged police brutality at such a young age, he still then became fascinated with law enforcement and it kind of pushed him to want to reform the police from the inside. But I, I need to know, I should ask his press team today, was it the go-go dancer trespassing in Jamaica or was it selling fake gold chains at Canal Street to tourists? And of course, what does it mean that we have the leader of the largest city in the country with these very different stories? Not that that is the first time there's been some sort of confusion over something, but I just saw that. I saw that Alyssa Katz, our, our colleague at the city, posted it because I think when he tweeted it, I probably was asleep uh, or I wasn't looking at Twitter. And Alyssa said, is this really the story we've heard? So that was what alerted me to Joe's tweet. And now we have to wonder what was it? There's a, a lot happening here in the <laughs> Previous version of the origin story that Adams had told that Katie was just going through, you know, it, it comes off a, a wild leg with a go-go dancer who you were running errands for who then owed us money, like a uh, unfalsifiable account of what happened uh, that ends with him getting roughed up by the police and then being part of a congregation and would come right back to God that encourage people to sort of join and reform the department from within. And in fact, of course, Adams did become a, uh, a, a significant and really interesting gadfly within the department. Adams has also talked a fair amount about his faith since he's uh, come to office and recently updated that. There does seem to be a lot of retconning here to add the fact that God had previously told him that he would be elected mayor of new york city and you know um and in in down to that in the year 2022 mm -hmm. this is the sort of thing of course it is uh very different to say after the date and and this thing actually occurring than before it's something that maybe plays well with uh parts of his base it also lets him counterpunch because when he says somewhat ridiculous stuff about God and not wanting any separation between church and state. And that's why the guns are in the schools. Someone on the left will say something absurd about how it's obscene for a politician to mention God. And then Adams can counterpunch against that and say, you see how these people are. They want to take God out of every inch of public life, which not really what's happening. Uh, but the, sort of this level of uh, controlling and shifting his own narrative to account for for you know sort of present circumstances and what seems convenient is an awful lot and my sense is that that the mayor takes criticisms of this uh personally you know he thinks he's he's here he's here for a reason he's a son of the city he's, he's the mayor now he's going to do things but um and that there's some political advantage in putting it this way we'll see but uh i, I think these are risky games to play and particularly as you get into some accounts that can be checked. To add one more for our colleague, Greg Smith, you know, at one point when Eric Adams is on the police force, somebody shoots through the back of his uh, car while he's studying to take, I think, the, the captain's exam. That's a real and scary thing that happens. Um, Adams brought it up recently, which he had not in a very long stretch of time, and speculated that this was, um, you know, someone from within the NYPD and like the white power authority who didn't want him to be ascending within the department. Uh, you know, I went back and, and just looked at the clips at the time. It was actually a very small story. It's one of like, you know, four two-inch stories the next day in the uh, Daily News. 
Um, and, and from everything I could see contemporaneously, and then he didn't really mention it thereafter, you know, he said somebody did shoot out uh, the back window of his car as he was driving from a friend's place studying. And, and you know, he, he affirmatively said at the time that it was, it was two black guys. And I don't know, maybe they, maybe they were sent by the police commissioner who was white or someone, but it just seems unlikely and shifting in ways that seem to reflect his present needs and his habit, which many politicians have, of using his biography as a, a political tool or prop on, on his account in ways that seem to be increasingly stretching credulity. And I think people are uncomfortable saying that for, for a number of reasons, uh, some of them in, involving people's control of their own narratives, some of them around race and the sort of pushback that, that some white reporters and pundits have got when they've asked about things like this. There was a giant New Yorker magazine piece about Adam's uh, uh, ties with uh, uh, with this fellow Whitehead. More Whitehead, yeah. Who we've talked about on the pod previously, who's now facing federal charges, who's a convicted felon, and a uh, and a pastor at, at with Adams for a long time, and who may or may not be the child who was killed by the NYPD. The rest of that family says he's not. He says he was. And you know, this was like a lengthy, pretty significantly reported piece. It did not point to like anything past lots and lots of questions about this guy's character and like narrative crimes. And Adam said, you know, what what what's the crime here? Why are people constantly trying to smear me? And that that basically was just the end of the story. And here we are. And I su- suspect the same will happen with this shifting narrative accounts for now. That that these are not, you know, KO shots for reporters or anyone else to notice. He's not the first politician to play with his biography. But every time you do that, and every time you then say, it's not fair to hold me to account for my own telling of my own life, you know, uh, you're, you're raising the stakes a little more and sort of trying to stay ahead of the game and stay ahead of the game and stay ahead of the game. I really have my doubts. Well, here's the thing, right? And it's twofold. So the first thing, yeah, I mean, I think it's completely fair, whether you're a white reporter or not, or anyone to say, Wait, so did you get arrested for trespassing or did you get arrested for selling fake gold chains to tourists on Canal Or Street? both. Or both. And I think secondly, too, when it gets to the question of faith, right, um, it's complicated. And like you said, it gets mm-hmm. into, you know, um, it's the whole it's the whole premise of faith where you can't really prove it. That is the mysteries of faith, right? And whether or not you know, the mayor believes that this was something, you know, I speak to people who are very religious. You know, I was raised Catholic. I don't go to church. Sorry, mom and dad. They're much more religious. And I speak to my mom who's very religious. And it's sort of like your messaging and your understanding of how God speaks through you differs depending on who you might be. But I'm sure for everyone saying this guy sounds crazy saying that God told him to be mayor, there's also a large faction of people who are religious Um Maybe there's even a racial component there of depending on what religion they are, they believe that to be completely true. That is like God speaks to you, whether he speaks to you through a Bible passage, whether he speaks to you through your prayer. People talk about signs, right? People talk about everyone's into astrology. They talk about manifesting. They talk about, you know, this is all kind of those mysteries of faith. You know, you have a group of people who think because you were born on November 19th, in a different sun rising moon that decides your whole life right you have a group of people who think if i manifest and say you know like 
what's meant for me will, what are the things that I lean into when I'm feeling, I lean into all these woo-woo things, you know, like what's meant to me will find, for me will find me. That's also a version of faith. You can't prove any of this stuff. So that gets into the complicated thing. And I think he, he tailors who he says these things to as well. You know, when you're talking about that on, um, a predominantly black radio station, you're catering to an audience you're going to presume is, is more religious or the religion they believe in, whatever denomination of Christianity in particular, they will believe that they'll be more inclined to believe that, you know, it's all sort of the whole point of Catholicism is that God uses you, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. The same Francis of Assisi prayer. You are working in God's favor. God has selected you to do, you know, do great works do them whatever, mightily, justly, whatever people say, depending on <laughs> whatever it is. But this is this is like the mystery of faith. You think that this is the case. The funny part of it is there's a film from the 1970s called God Told Me To. It's a horror film. It involves a New York City cop who is investigating these people just killing tons of people, including at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And right before they die, they all say, God told me to. So that's my funny version of it where I'm like, it's, it's the movie's very, I saw it recently. I rewatched it recently on, it's on Amazon Prime. It involves alien abductions. <laughs> it involves the 1939 World's Fair. Um, but that's the whole premise God told me to. So I find that part of it funny for movie people where it's like, oh, Whenever the mayor says, God told me to be mayor, that's what I think of. But yeah, it is. But yeah, the shifting story, that is actually something that I could say. So which one was it? I can't say to him, prove to me God spoke to you, because that that defies what we understand about being a religious and faithful person. I can't prove the Holy Spirit. The whole point is that it's a spirit. <laughs> it's not. You know, I believe as a Catholic, I'm supposed to believe in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right? Like, that's the whole point. So everything about religion, right, if you really get down to it, is sort of, it defies logic, but that's the whole point, and that's that, what we believe in in faith. I went to Catholic school through college, but you know, that's my understanding of everything. Speaking of old movies, <laughs> faith, and the profane, I, I will just note one other movie as we, we close out here. I am dying to see now which involves LaGuardia's war against burlesque, which preceded his war against pinball. Wow. And the movie Norman Lear wrote about it in 1962 called The Night They Raided Minsky's. The night Early Elliot Gould Minsky's. appearance. Minsky's, Whoa. the Minsky brothers who are real, right? Being like the, the burlesque uh, kings of Oh, I of thought you New said York. Pinsky's, like Seth Pinsky. <laughs> But <laughs> that's that's the Bloomberg era film. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, the brief plot description isn't English girl from rural Pennsylvania arrives on the Lower East Side hoping to make it as a dancer. Her dances are based on Bible stories. She auditions at Minsky's Burlesque. Her dances are much too dull and chaste. The uh, Billy Minsky and the show's jaded straight man uh, concoct a plan to use Rachel to foil the moral crusader intent on shutting down their theater. Uh, Minsky publicizes Rachel as the notorious Mademoiselle Fifi uh, performing the dance that drove a million Frenchmen wild, hoping to provoke a raid. Instead, she'll perform her innocent Bible dances, thus humiliating Fowler. But her, her father, the, uh, the Amish minister preacher shows up, um, calls her daughter, a, 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 a 
broken woman of New York City and yells at her, tries to drag her off stage. She resists. A slit is torn in her dress. Further things happen. The police come to raid. More things happen to the dress. A whistle is blown. The police come out. Um, the striptease is invented. Don't spoil the movie it. ends with most of the cast too late, loaded into a paddy wagon, including Rachel's bewildered father. It, it, it just, I, I Wait, saw the did trailer. Wait, did you mention that like it's a, a musical? I did not, and it is. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, well, that's the assignment for the FAQ listeners. It's the FAQ Movie Club. Watch God Told Me To, and then watch the night they raided Minsky's. And sound off in the comments. Indeed, indeed. Um, We don't have comments. (laughs) That's the joke. Sound sound off in social media. I I won't be there, and we'll ignore it. Love everyone. Sorry. Um, Chrissy is birdwatching this week. Um, I reckon, indeed... Um, I reckon when she is back, um, uh, uh, she, she's going to have first floor as we've been just running through tons of stuff. And I, I missed her in this conversation. I missed both you guys over the last. Uh, we missed you, Harry. We talked about you every episode. I heard. I heard. <laughs> you still listen even when you're off? I I, I peaked. I peaked. Um, <laughs> the distractions are a nice thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I Well, I hope we hopefully helpfully distracted you. Yeah. And, and and like, honestly, it, it puts on New York politics and all that, which is really important because it actually relates to people's lives and what happens in some big ways. But it puts that into some perspective, just just being around family and, and illness and, and death and those sort of bigger things. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We do have a weekend episode, so you'll have that later on in the week. And um, I hope everyone has a great week. I hope your life narratives don't change throughout the week too much. I hope if they change, update, and retcon, it only makes them more awesome. F-A-Q. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of The City, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We are an affiliate of NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research, and are a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at popula.com. Our host this episode was me, Katie Honan, who I am a senior reporter at The City, and Harry Siegel, who's a senior editor there and the pod's executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more. Hey, Adam, you have my sign off. Anywhere you want to cut for like space or flow or whatever, like feel free. Yeah, please, please. We probably went on for too long. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I thought it was mostly good stuff, but uh, mostly. Mostly. Yeah. yeah. What the f that's supposed to mean, Adam? Um.